What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. Okay, welcome to the podcast. I sit down my beer. I'm your host, Matt Sodnikar. I'm here with my friend Helen Gardner, who uh, this summer went on a little ride and a little run. <laughs> just just a small one, just a small to, couple ride. To uh, put it mildly. So um, let's introduce the rides and the run, and then you can talk about whichever one you prefer. So your ride mm-hmm. was how far? It was 158 miles. It was on the uh, West Elk Loop Scenic Byway, which goes from Gunnison through Crawford, Paonia, and back to Gunnison. It was really ugly. <laughs> it was a hideous ride. And uh, it was not just 150 miles. What was the particularly interesting fact about that bike ride? So the purpose of the bike ride was to promote disabled persons in sport. So I work with a foundation that is based out of Atlanta, Georgia, called the Kyle Pease Foundation, and they promote disabled persons in sports. So they have a foundation that helps disabled athletes do everything from 5Ks to marathons to Ironman, and now, as of this year, to their first uh, long-distance multi-day bike adventure. So I pulled uh, disabled no Williams, who is nine years old and has cerebral palsy in a bike trailer for 158 miles. <laughs> it was awesome. And then the little run that you did. <laughs> then I did a little run through Washington, D.C. I did the Marine Corps Marathon, uh, pushing another disabled athlete, uh, Hank Poor, who is 18 years old, who also has cerebral palsy. Um, and he, uh, he is a marathon veteran. This was his third Marine Corps marathon. Um, my first and last. Marathon or marathon? I'm never running 26 miles again. <laughs> 26.2. Yeah, it was actually closer <laughs> to 27. Like it what? was, yeah, because we start you, you you know you start far back, oh. and so you start your watch as any good athlete does, and so we're like we're like we're like technically. 25.8 miles into it or something and I look at everybody and I'm like just so you guys know we technically just finished this thing but let's keep going um <laughs> Anyway, I digress. But yeah, so uh, I did Marine Corps Marathon pushing uh, disabled athletes in Washington, D.C., which was um, another big athletic feat for me this year. It's pretty awesome. Okay, so I've got a ton of questions because I, I do know a lot about this from our conversations over this year. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to you after the ride and I think you had said it was the hardest thing you'd ever done. Is that still the case after the marathon? Yes. The ride was 100% the, okay. the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, there were a lot of levels to it. I had, um, 
I, about this time last year, I had started planning it. And so for about nine months, I had been pouring my heart and soul into everything for this ride, planning it logistically because we were uh, pretty much self-supported. And when I say self-supported, we had a support crew of three people. Um, we weren't part of a larger ride. This was something that, um, I planned and spearheaded from day one until we executed it. So I had been pouring my heart and soul into the planning logistics. Um, the goal was to raise $10,000 for the Kyle Pease foundation to, uh, hopefully fund future events like this. Um, so there was a fundraising aspect to it. There was a training aspect to it that I, uh, took on. I'd never trained for anything like that. And then the event itself was, um, everything I thought it would probably be and also completely unexpected. Um, I think you, I knew going into it that it was going to be really, really, really difficult and really, really challenging. Um, but I didn't know quite how challenging or how difficult it was going to be. Um, more so, uh, emotionally and mentally, um, than physically. So, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely the most difficult thing I've ever done. And to do it, to get up the next day and do it again and get up another day and do it again. <laughs> and you're sore and you're pulling over a hundred pounds and you just don't want to do any of it. Yeah. It was hard. Was there a particular point on that ride where you had either reached your breaking point or were really close to it? Like how close was it when you say difficult, can you give me an example over something that was difficult and then being so challenging, so difficult, did you ever break and I guess I'm looking for like, like a micro quit. Like I know you finished, but was there a point where you just were like, I'm done before the finish line? Yeah. Like all of day three of four. Um, so we did the ride, we broke the ride up over four days. Um, which it's really funny. Some of the feedback I've gotten, like people who have never had to actually pull a human being, let alone somebody that is medically fragile, like 158 miles over four days is nothing. By yourself, it isn't correct. Um, but so we broke it up over four days. Um, Noah, uh, I have to say, is pretty medically fragile. He is um, uh, tube fed, uh, diapered. Um, and so going into the ride, like we had to be prepared to make sure my, my biggest concern was his was his well-being and his safety. So we made the decision to break it up over four days. The third day was, um, uh, Paonia to Crested Butte up and over Kebler Pass. Um, so for those who don't know what Kebler Pass is, it's a beautiful mountain pass through a wonderful, beautiful, amazing Aspen forest. I'm told, I don't really remember a lot of it. Um, it is a gravel, it is a gravel mountain pass. Um, and I did it on a Bianchi road bike, uh, pulling a trailer, a total of 105 pounds ish behind me. Um, and so for those of you who are cyclists, this is an embarrassing slash sort of not embarrassing because I kind of don't care, but kind of care thing. Uh, we were on the bike for seven hours that day and our average mile per hour was seven, 
before the day. Um, <clears throat> that just made my legs and my butt hurt thinking about that. And it was the third day of the ride. So I had already gone two days back to back. Day one was 30 something miles. Day two was 40 something. Day three ended up being 46, I think. Um, and so I got on the bike on the third day and immediately turned out of the hotel into a headwind. And, and there was like, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a tall individual. I'm six one. And so I'm on a big bike and I'm a big person. And you put a not small trailer holding a nine year old behind you and you just turn into a sail. And within five miles, I was in tears. And the funny thing is, um, and I don't, I, I still haven't decided if I regret this decision or not. <laughs> uh, I knew, and I, I had an idea of what the course was going to be like, but I didn't like really, really, really look at it. So I knew Kebler was going to be hard, but I didn't quite understand. Wait, you didn't look at a detail, Helen? No, which is funny because <laughs> I was, because I'm one of those people that I don't like to know. Like <clears throat> when I'm, when I'm running or I'm doing something like I hate races where it's like, congratulations, you made it to the 5k. You have 20, you know, however many miles. I'm like, I don't need to know. So that's how I went into this ride. Yeah, it doesn't help you, right? You're still not done. Right. Like one of the rules, <clears throat> so I had my crew of amazing, just amazing individuals. And one of the things I said to them was, don't ever, unless I ask you, don't tell me how much longer I have. Don't say when I'm struggling, oh, you only have five more miles because it'll just piss me off and like whatever. <laughs> so I intentionally didn't look at really a whole lot of stuff for the third day. I knew it was going to be gravel and I knew it was going to be really difficult. Um, and so we set off on pavement out of Peña and it was just a headwind. We hit like a construction zone and we got stopped for 10 minutes. Like you name it and it was going wrong. And I was like, I got to stay in this positive headspace cause I still have this big thing ahead of me. Um, and so we turn to go to Kebler and we get on the first section and I'm like, if this is how this is, did they trick me? This is so, <laughs> this is not easy, but it's like, I got this. I've got this only to realize it was like this little section. And then you got to a paved part where we took a break and then they were like, okay, you ready? And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And that's when the shit hit the fan. And it was just this, I mean, the, the grades on gravel on a road bike, just were insane, but I was sort of expecting that. Like I, I powered through it and like my support vehicle was ahead of me, like screaming my name, which was amazing. And so I got through the first few miles of that and I was like, okay, this is great. And I genuinely, for some reason, thought this was going to be like lookout and golden or just a couple of few miles and then it'd be descent and we'd be fine. And it just <laughs> wasn't that. And so every turn I took, it was more gravel and it was more uphill and it was more pushing. And when you're pulling something, pushing means off the bike, pushing the bike and the trailer. No, I mean that at that point I hadn't even gotten off the bike. Oh, like I okay. was just on the bike, like pushing myself. Okay. So like, I was like, okay, like I'm just going to keep powering through this going what feels like two miles an hour which apparently was given my average when I looked at my Wahoo later that night. Um, 
And so big freak out number one was um, <laughs> when I get to a section and Naomi, Noah's mom, my coach, Stacy and Peter, who was like our Sherpa were up at the top of this hill and I'm looking at them and I'm right. I'm just like pedaling and I'm barely like feeling like I'm like pushing the cranks, but I'm doing it. And then I hit this weird section of gravel and I just lost my footing. And so the bike slid out from under me and I kind of hit the ground, not going fast. So, you know, how bad could it have been? But I hit the ground. Uh, on my right side and then immediately because there's a hundred plus pounds attached to the bike the bike me and the trailer with Noah in it with his mother watching start sliding down the hill and so I sort of like (laughs) I like like flip over really quick the bike's still in between my legs and I like land on my ass and I just sit there and I hold the bike with one hand and I just sort of like put my head down and I remember looking into the trailer looking at Noah who is nonverbal um and just looking in his eyes and he's great because he's not reacting he was an amazing he was amazing this entire thing and I just remember looking at him and putting my head down and just bawling and and everybody comes running down the hill, right? Because they've just watched me fall over. And we had a camera crew following me. And I am so thankful that they happened to drive up waiting for the perfect shot. So they didn't get any of this. But they come running down the hill. And uh, Naomi, Noah's mom, who is a very good friend of mine um, before this process, but more so during it. She, uh, the first thing she does is she comes to me and she makes sure I'm okay. And I kind of get up and I'm, I'm not really hurt. I'm cut, I'm bruised and whatever, but I'm pissed cause I'm just over this already. And I like throw my sunglasses on the ground and throw a little temper tantrum and like walk up the hill and she <laughs> picks up my sunglasses. Like, you know, everybody else is tending to her kid and she's taking care of me. Um, and they walk up, um, to the vehicles and I'm like just standing there and I'm like, well, I guess I got to keep going. Um, <clears throat> so I got back on the bike, <laughs> we kept going and I don't remember what my, I, I don't even remember half the mile. I don't remember any of it. Um, and then there was another section where, um, <clears throat> kind of a similar situation. They were sort of waiting for me and my wheels went to slide out. And this time I caught myself and I put my foot down. And at that point, when you stop like that and you're on a hill, like with gravel and it's all these factors, gravel, road bike, you know, you're tired, all this shit. I stopped and I was like, I was like, this oh, is you can say it. just <laughs> fuck. Like, so why are we out? Like, why, why are we doing this? And so I'm mad and I'm cursing and Naomi and Stacy, my coach come running and I start pushing the bike and Naomi and Stacy start to push the trailer to help me behind me. And they were saying words of encouragement, like any wonderful human being would do. And I remember turning around and looking at them both in the face and going, I need two minutes. And they both were like (laughs) immediately the hands are off the trailer and they kind of like, tucked their chins back and they were like, okay. And kind of walked away. And, um, 
I needed, I knew that that was the lowest. I think that was the part where it was like, I want to quit. I know I want to quit. I know I can't quit. I want to let this child go and fly down the mountain. That's fine. Like we're done. I'm fucking done here, but I'm not going to have that happen. That's not what I signed up for. And so I'm having this conversation in my head and I'm like, you're going to push this trailer up to a fucking flat spot and you're going to get back on your damn bicycle and you are not going to end this today. And I remember as I was walking and pushing and my arms were hurting and my legs were tired and I was miserable. I remember looking back and very dramatically, like in a movie, (laughs) screaming at my coach, this is not how this ends. Like who the fuck says that? somebody that is calorie deficient and tired apparently, but it was true. It was, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to end my day. I was not going to end that way. And so I don't know. It may have, may have been a quarter of a mile. Uh, I don't know. Pushing the bike in the trailer and, um, got back on the bike and just kept (laughs) going. And I hit several other, what felt like rock bottoms, but really, and truly that was, that was those two moments are the most memorable. Um, because I literally fell and got back up twice. Um, and you know, there just, there wasn't the option of like quitting. So was it the frustration of hitting the deck? And when you talk about the movie, the movie scene, and I'm picturing Noah in the trailer sliding down and you grab it like it's I've seen that in so many Mm -hmm. Hollywood blockbusters. Right. Right. Somebody's, you know, like uh, Deadpool. Yeah. For example. Right. They're way Mm -hmm. more attractive when they do it than I am. So it was great. Um, But. Was it just mentally you had cracked? It doesn't sound like your legs had given out. No. So one of the things that my coach constantly said to me, and she was invaluable in this process, and I'm so glad she was there. She flew from Georgia to support me and actually rode with me some some sections of days. And what's her name? Stacy Sims. Um, She... One of the things that she said to me after day one, so day one was a tough day too. Again, Helen didn't look at the plan. And so the first 20 miles were flat and amazing out of Gunnison. And then we hit um, Black River Canyon, Black Canyon. And it was just climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing. And I just didn't realize that for some reason, even though I knew it. So, but one of the things that she said to me when she observed me on day one and day two was you'll get off the bike and you'll say you're tired, but you're walking around. So I know you're not tired. I know you're not done. If you get off the bike and you can't move, then we'll talk. And so, which is why she's a great coach. Cause I need someone like that. So yeah, it was, it was mental and emotional and just like, um, an embarrassment to a little bit. Like, um, for years I worked in an industry that was full of kick ass cyclists and triathletes and athletes. And, um, a lot of the people that we work with in the foundation are amazing athletes, um, that could have done that in a half the time that I could have. Um, and unfortunately I compare myself a lot to that. And so 
in those moments when it's really hard and you're really tired and you don't want to move and blah, 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 blah. And you're whatever. Um, yeah, a lot of it's mental, but I knew that going into it. I knew that was going to be my biggest hurdle. Physically, I was ready. Um, yeah, it was mental and emotional and me just getting in my own head and being mad at myself for not being better. But you were better than so many people that day though. Yeah. I mean, my favorite thing to ask is like, well, what'd you do last Wednesday? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to open my beer. So Um, I'll tell you about a moment when I lost my shit on the bike. It was the first time I'd done the Laramie Enduro up in Wyoming. And that's a 111K mountain bike ride. No. No. It'd be easy for you now. Yeah. No, still not, probably. (laughs) And the ride is basically five mountain parks linked by fire roads. And so. Oh, God. Yeah. And so very technical, very rocky, but beautiful, like in the Vibu Forest up there. And I just, I had made it past the last checkpoint and I beat the time cut off so I could keep going. And they asked me if I wanted to keep going. And so I went and rode the fire road for a little bit. And something as flat as this floor, I was just riding along and I hit a rock the size of a golf ball Mm -hmm. and I was tired and I looked right at it and the wheel hit it, had to clip out. So the frustration started building. Yeah. And then riding up like two more easy switchbacks Mm -hmm. and then looked at another rock, maybe the size of half of a grapefruit, lawn darted right into it, almost couldn't get out, almost fell over. So I get off and now I am going, I've heard this term, shouty crackers. So I pick up this rock (laughs) and I heave it into the forest. Oh, and yeah. I just go, fuck! Yeah. I'm just like shaking my fist because it was like such an easy mistake, right? right. I should have just oh, yeah. navigated around it. And so I stop and I look and I'm like, hey, idiot, you chose to be out here. Yeah. So I gather myself. And this is where the embarrassment comes in. So I go around two more switchbacks and there's this delightful little old lady sitting there as oh, a volunteer who probably heard you scream fuck into the forest. <laughs> She's in her folding chair. Oh, it gets better with her grandson. who's probably <laughs> five or six. Right. And oh so my God. She's in a chair and he's playing with his Tonka truck or something. And she's like, how's it going? I go, it's okay, ma'am. She goes, was that you that screamed? I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> she said, are you okay? I said, yes, ma'am. It's been a long day. I apologize. She's like, you want a water? I'm like, Aww. no, I'm going to go now. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah. Yeah. You have, you have those moments. It was me spiking my tifo. I broke my tifosis. I broke my sunglasses because <laughs> I spiked them on the ground. Send them back. It's a warranty. Screaming. I don't know where they are. Oh. Like, <laughs> I, hey, I was just riding along at this point, like <laughs> where they are. Um, yeah. No, I hit the, I mean, I hit, a, I hit several of those moments. I remember, um, 
One of my favorite things there, I, I mean, I could talk about this for a million hours, but one of the, my favorite, please do. Yeah. One of my favorite things about the trip was the bond that Naomi and I had. Um, and so you talk about yelling, um, and I'm a, I'm an interesting individual because I just am who I am and I sort of can't, I don't, I, I definitely can't help myself in certain instances. Like you just see every piece of who I am in certain circumstances and there's nothing anybody can do to prevent that. I don't button myself up well. Um, and so, uh, I'm not always taken super well by a lot of people. <laughs> and so luckily Naomi knew me well before agreeing to do this adventure. It's not, not that. It's okay. Um, she knew me before going into this adventure. And so she knew, I think a little bit about what to expect, but I don't think she knew exactly. And so for her to allow me to go into these spaces, you keep in mind, I have her child attached to me for hours on end every day. So she's, you know, obviously everyone's concern is him, but her concern was also for me. And the bond that we had through that entire experience is pretty incredible. Um, the planning process, just everything, like the day-to-day life, um, you know, she had to learn how to, we all had to, but she had to learn how to adapt her child to fit into this situation that she had never been in. And quite honestly, we had nobody we could consult ahead of time. We talked, she, she talked to doctors and they were like, what are you doing? (laughs) okay, I don't know, keep him hydrated. Like what do you know, let us know how it goes. And so, you know, we went in with this plan. So the plan was, um, they would ride up every couple of miles in the vehicle and I would either pass them or stop depending on how I was feeling. And then every, I think it was every hour and a half to two hours, we would stop, stop, get him out of the trailer, feed him, change him, make sure he was stretched out a little bit. Um, cause he doesn't have much mobility at all in his mm-hmm. limbs. Um, and to watch her adapt him, adapt their lives, put her kid through that on the regu- like every day for four days, while also dealing with me as a very nervous, self-doubting, self-deprecating human being, and to support me as her friend was pretty pretty incredible. Um, and I talk a lot about day three because it was such a pivotal day. It was such a big day. Um, <clears throat> there were a couple of moments and I remember one and one specifically where I don't know how many times I said, where is the downhill? Like I thought, again, I thought this was like lookout mountain where it was just a few miles and then there was a fucking downhill and we would be <laughs> done. I'm like, where's the downhill? Where's the downhill? Where's the flat spot? Where's the downhill? And right before one of the big downhills, actually. Um, I remember riding by Naomi. She was stopped in the van. She had gotten out of the van to cheer us on as she had done for three days and, and had picked me up out of the gravel. And I remember riding by her and just looking at her with these wild, crazy eyes going, where in the fuck is the fucking downhill? And just her looking at me, not saying a word and just sort of like shaking her head. No, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know where the downhill is. Oh my God. And, 
to, to have a parent allow me to do that in front of their small child, <laughs> nonverbal or not, if he his sure. first word is fuck, he got it honestly. That's what I tell her. I'm like, look, if we can celebrate that fact, I guess. Um, but like to allow her or for her to allow me to kind of go there repeatedly and watch me and support me and love me. And then, um, the most glorious finish, the second most glorious finish, because the most glorious finish was last day, but the most glorious finish was this beautiful section of downhill into Crested Butte. I'd never been into Crested Butte. I've never been there before. And I just ride down and it was absolutely amazing. And I rode literally right up to our inn where we were staying for that night. And we got Noah out of the trailer and I gave him a big hug and held him for a couple of minutes. And I just kind of like sat there in this sort of like weird, like, holy shit, did all that just happen? You know, and, and I remember her like looking at me and saying, you did such a great job. And later that night, I was walking to dinner with her and Noah and Stacy, my coach, and she looked at me and she said, with tears in her eyes, I want you to know how meaningful it was for me today to watch you go to the places that you went emotionally. And I kind of looked at her and I said, what do you, what do you mean? And she said, you got a, you got a glimpse into my world. You got to be me today. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was, she said to me, I watched you hit every low you could possibly hit and come out of it. And it was like watching myself when he was in the NICU at 28 weeks. Wow. And I was completely blown away and I was like, no, 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 no. And Naomi being Naomi was like, no, I need you to understand that I watched you today be me. You have an understanding of the shit that I had to go through, even if it was just for a day with my child in this horrible experience. And to be able to watch him nine years later, complete this goal with you is so big. And for a mother that has spent the last nine years of her life facing an uphill battle literally every day to say to me something like that was just like mind-blowing it was unbelievable like I still don't believe that but she keeps saying that and one of the funny things was Um, we were posting on social media throughout the whole thing. And the network with the Kyle Pease Foundation is awesome and strong. And I call it my KPZ family. And um, I know a lot of parents who have kids in similar situations. And there were a couple of other parents that actually messaged me after that day that had been following along that said the same thing. Like, you're one of us. You have experienced at least a glimpse into the shit that we have to deal with. And it it was 
completely unexpected. And it's something that I still don't know if I, I like, I don't believe that. Like, I just don't believe that I have an, uh, like a real understanding of that. Sure. <clears throat> but to, to have that acknowledgement and to have that realization that like, I don't know, like to have Naomi say to me that she got to sort of watch a little bit of, of, of her struggle externally, I guess. I don't know. It was just a really interesting comment for her to make that of course made me cry. Cause I cry all the time. <laughs> um, but it was, it was pretty incredible. Um, and completely unexpected. And, um, you know, I, I just thought I was going on a bike ride with the kid. Um, and I was hoping I would, you know, make our lives a little bit better. But I think the bond that we have now, Noah and I and Naomi and I and, and the three of us is is something that like that that experience. Nobody else will ever have that experience like that is ours forever to keep. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Sorry to go down a rabbit hole. No, As I, I do. I, I think it's great. It may not be literally the same experience, but I think you earn the <clears throat> the respect for maybe sharing the seeing it through an empathetic experience, right? Right. I think the comment that resonated was the comment like I watched you hit your lowest lows and you want everything told you to stop and you didn't stop. I think though that was the comment that was that that resonates the most, if that makes sense. Like you didn't have an option and neither did Naomi. Naomi didn't have an option. I just didn't make it an option, but I guess she didn't make it an option either. Right. So yeah, it's just hard. It's hard to compare. It was an interesting comment. It was an interesting comparison. Um, but life altering, you know, because I am close with Naomi and Noah. I'm close with a lot of families in the foundation and their day-to-day lives are pretty tough. Um, And so, you know, I get to swoop in as the little hero and say, oh, I'm going to take your kid for a four day bike ride, you know, and, and, and get to do all the fun stuff, quote unquote. Um, but even for me, there were moments that were not fun or pleasurable whatsoever. Um, so yeah, it was just an interesting, interesting comparison and just, insight a little bit, I guess, into maybe understanding a little bit, I can't imagine, but what they have to deal with. So this might be a good time for you to tell a little bit about Noah. So he's nine with cerebral palsy and he was born at 28 weeks, you said, but he was, yeah. Uh, so, um, Noah has cerebral palsy, um, which is pretty severe, um, he is nonverbal, um, tube fed, diapered. He relies on someone else to care from him, care for him 100%. Um, and his number one caretaker is his mother, Naomi. Um, so he, um, his, the, the quote that we like to use is he's a train wreck on paper. Like if you list every quote unquote issue and quote unquote problem that 
Nate or that Noah has, it's, he looks like a train wreck. He just looks, he, you would just think he's just an impossible person that you can't communicate with. And that's not the case whatsoever. Um, I got to know Noah. I met him in 2015, um, when I didn't know a lot about disabled persons and I wasn't comfortable being around them. And, um, I had a really interesting life changing interaction with him. Um, where I was asked, <laughs> Naomi, apparently I didn't know this. Naomi thought that I had been around other disabled persons. And so she was like, Hey, can you watch Noah really quickly while I like unload some stuff to da, da, da. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I sit down and I start talking what I'm thinking. I'm talking at a person who can't understand me and can't register what I'm saying. And I said something and I giggled and he put his head back and he smiled, this <laughs> massive smile. And he was six at the time and he was missing his two front teeth and he was a little chubbier. So he had these chubby cheeks with these dimples. And I remember looking at him, realizing that he was registering on some level, either what I was saying or how he was sounding or whatever. We're not a hundred percent sure what that is. Um, and it was amazing for me because I thought that quite honestly, I was talking to a vegetable and I wasn't, I was talking to a human being who was just different from me. And so doing the ride with him was interesting because one of the biggest questions I got from people who have never done an event with a person with a disability is, well, if he can't tell you you're doing a good job, or if he can't give you feedback, then how do you know you're doing a good job? Which is a stupid question. Or <laughs> how do you know, how do you know if he's having a good time? How do you know how he's feeling? How do you know, you know, what's going on with him? And one of the things I say about Noah is that he's very <clears throat> responsive and he's reactionary. So, um, he loves to go fast, like most probably nine-year-old boys like to do. And so, um, you know, you don't get to go very fast when you're climbing a mountain with hundred plus pounds behind you. But there was a section on, there was a section through black Canyon on day number two, when we finally crested this hill and we just started bombing downhill and hit 42 miles an hour on these switch. It was, it was glorious. Like it was amazing. <laughs> and I with looked pounds behind with a hundred pounds behind, you, pounds behind me. Yeah. Um, and I looked back into the trailer and he had put his head back and he just had that same smile, a couple more teeth because he's a couple years older, but he had that same smile on his face. He just had the biggest smile on his face. He was so fucking happy and I could see it and I could feel it. And like, I started yelling and at some point, Naomi, who was in the support vehicle and driving the support vehicle, she came, she came by me and I just looked at her in the window and I said, he is beaming. And so she started laughing and she's got an amazing laugh. And it was just like this really intense, amazing moment of like, 
don't tell me this kid doesn't know what's going on. Don't tell me this kid has no understanding of what we're doing. He's enjoying it and he's having a good time. And that was indicative of all of it. Like it was so, it was such an incredible moment. And I just remember just, I was just yelling. He's smiling. I loved it. It was such a great moment. And so it kind of, for me was like to anybody that asked like, well, is he enjoying it? How do you know if he's enjoying it? Well, you know what? I get to have a moment with him at 42 miles an hour that you don't where I got to see it firsthand and he's there and he, he knows what's happening. Um, there's something about being in the wind for sure. Yeah. Well, and just like on the, on the complete opposite realm on day one, um, I broke <laughs> on day one. I broke two, not anywhere near. I did on, uh, as I did on day three, but on day one, I broke, um, I was nervous cause it was, we were going really slow and it was hot. It was really, really oh. hot. And I was hot and I was really concerned about him. And I remember, I was crying. I was like you audibly crying. Um, and at some point I heard the most pitiful, I got very emotional and I said something and I very audibly cried loudly and I heard him and he cried and then I lost it because I was like, cause it, when you're climbing up a hill at three miles an hour, you can't like, wow. you can't like stop and clip out and be like, Oh, are you okay? And if you turn and look back, like you can't really turn and look back for very long without swerving into the, you know, so I can't really see what's going on. And luckily it was like a quarter of a mile and we got to Naomi and he was fine. What he had done was he had slid himself down. He had slithered himself out of his harness and he was really uncomfortable. Um, but I think that he was really reacting also to my energy and like sure. my being, I mean, like any little kid would, if some other kid heard <laughs> me crying up in front of him, he probably would react to that. And so that happened on day one. And then day two, we had this incredible moment of like, awesomeness. And then by day three, it was like a little pro. He was like, Oh, there's Helen losing her shit again. Like, I'm just going to sit here and hang out. (laughs) So yeah. So over the course of, I don't want to, don't want to be morbid, but like over the course of Noah's life, how close has he come to cashing it all in. I mean, from obviously was it touch and go when he was born and yeah, it was definitely touch and go when he was born. Um, his mom actually wrote a book about it and the book is actually her journal of his life. Those first few months in, um, in, uh, in the NICU. I'll post a link to that because she showed me that book at the shop that night. yeah, it's called and God remembers Noah remembered Noah and God remembered Noah. Um, and it's basically a combination pretty much of her journaling from his birth, uh, with some, you know, excerpts of remembrances from that time. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was touch and go, you know, from the moment that kid was born, he was told no, I mean, she was told no, she was told that he would have no quality of life and, it's not if it's when and, um, the power of, of a mother's love and a woman who won't take no for an answer shows you that the kid's pretty damn accomplished at nine. I mean, 
this bike adventure. He's a painter. He's a painter. He's an artist. He's uh, in school full time. He just completed his fifth Marine Corps marathon. He's done multiple triathlons. I mean, the kid's got a better athletic resume than most adult human beings I know. <laughs> Certainly me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Naomi says, you know, they, they, they live each day as it could potentially be their last, but that's not what they dwell or think about. Um, and I don't know of how many instances that he came close. I know a few years ago he was hospitalized. Um, one of my big bonding moments actually with Naomi when I first met them was a really cold, uh, 10 K that I thought was a five K cause I'm notorious for signing up for things that I think are shorter than they are and don't pay attention and just show up on race day. And I'm like, Oh, it's twice as long. That's fine. So I sign up for this 10 K that I thought was a five K and I pushed with Naomi and Noah. This is in 20 early 2016. And we walked pretty much the whole thing cause I was not in shape and, um, so we talked and we kind of bonded and she told me a story about how a couple of years prior he had been, um, hospitalized for some complications from something and that she thought genuinely she was going to lose him. And, um, to the point where she had a friend come, a photographer friend come and take photos of them in the hospital, family photos of them with the intent that they would be the last. Um, so that's, that's the last instance I've only known him being healthy and, you know, he's had a couple of trips to the hospital, but I, but you know, there's a lot of like eight, nine year old kids that make trips to the hospital. (laughs) Um, but he's in, and he's in good health and, and, um, kid's a fighter. I mean, he's been a fighter since before he was born. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So let's go to the the finish line of the ride. So the last, the the finish line of the ride was great because the last day was, so day three was horrifyingly, awfully wonderful. (laughs) It's the best way I can describe it. We go out to Crested, into Crested Butte and we go to dinner, which turns into like bar hopping on a Thursday. And I'm with my coach, my Sherpa, Peter, Naomi and Noah are smartly in bed. And, um, the two guys that were filming us, uh, our film crew were with us and all the kept, I was like, guys, I have to ride tomorrow. And they were like, it's only like 24 miles. You're fine. <laughs> so famous last. Yeah. Week. And I'm like, well, it's not going to, you don't, way. yeah, you don't have to ride. <laughs> First of all, fuck you. You don't have to ride pulling someone for the fourth day in a row after today. They're like, that's fine. Here's some more beer. Don't worry about it. So we got up a little late, <laughs> but it was glorious because it was 20, four miles pretty much downhill. There were only 200 feet of elevation gain. Oh, so we easy. were, it, yeah. Right. And I wasn't actually really that hungover cause I was intelligent and didn't drink. Yeah. So, I mean, I did, but not that much. So, um, <laughs> it was interesting because I called that day. What did I call that day? The victory lap It was the victory lap. I named every day. I, have to, I don't remember. I've blogged about it, but I don't remember what I named those days. But but day four was the victory lap. 
it was easy ish. Um, and we were riding, we were riding on this big wide shoulder from Crested Butte back into Gunnison and Peter has a hatchback vehicle. And so one of the film crew got some of the, the best shots that he got of us. He was sitting in the trunk of Peter's car driving in this like emergency lane while I'm riding and basically just drafting the shit off these guys going like 25 miles an hour, which compared <laughs> to the day before was like amazing. And at some point, you know, we had, we had like a little five mile plan where I'd meet up with the, the, the support car and we got to mile five and they were like, you're, you're crushing it. We're just, we'll see you at the end. And I had another couple miles with, uh, the film crew and then they took off. And so I had, I think about 12 miles to myself with Noah. Um, and for me, it was very emotional because it was like this sort of like not it wasn't difficult. It wasn't difficult at all. Like it was a great last day. Couldn't have planned it better. But it was sort of like, holy shit, like here we are. And I remember like saying to him, like, this was for you. All of this was for you. Thank you so much. Like we couldn't I couldn't have done this without you. Um and it was still a stunningly beautiful day. Like every freaking turn, every moment of that entire four days was beautiful. Like there wasn't really a section that you were like, oh. And so we ended where we started, which was this Holiday Inn Express <laughs> parking lot in Gunnison. <clears throat> and I pulled in and there were there was the film crew uh there was my coach stacy there was peter who peter who was our sherpa and then there was naomi noah's mom who was screaming like any mom would of any kid who was playing any sport and there were signs and then there were these two strange men that I had never seen before in my life that apparently were parking and decided to get in on the action and so they were holding signs <laughs> and awesome. it was kind of it was pretty cool and uh, I they made me um, a little finish line out of crepe paper and um that spray silly string silly string stuff um and so we rolled in and we crossed this finish line um and what was really special about that was I've run um three half marathons with Noah and um my thing with him is every race that we finish when we finish together, I have whoever the volunteer is put my medal on and then I take the medal from them and I put the medal around his neck and I say a couple words to him between he and I and I thank him. And that's sort of our tradition. And one of the things that I had said at the beginning of the ride was I was a little bummed. That this wasn't like a planned, you know, event with someone else because we don't have our finish line and our finish line medals. And so Naomi and Stacy made sure that we had our finish line and they made us these cute little paper medals. <laughs> um, and I, I got to put that around <clears throat> Noah's neck and it was very, um, it was sweet because it ended as it began, which was quiet. 
and very personal um, for all of us. Um, and it's funny because I didn't cry at the finish line. Like I didn't have any like real like I was happy, but I didn't have any real emotion. All that hit me later. But it was really it was awesome. It was just a sweet way to end very full circle this four days of awesome pretty much so I would almost say the finish line for you was on day three like that was the that was reaching the top of Everest right there yeah it really was it really was day four was like I said it was just a victory lap for us and just like finishing the four days of whatever Um, but yeah day three was day three was unforgettable for sure like like almost every moment like I can remember like I'll see videos or I'll see pictures I'm like oh god I remember like it just like the visceral like I feel it sure which is pretty awesome actually yeah so you're gonna do it again yeah I have plan. I have plans to I want to um I will do it again. I'm not sure who with. I know Naomi and Noah are going to take this year off. They have some big plans because Noah turns 10 this year. So they're going to do, they're trying to do 10 events, whatever that looks like for them. Um, But to do a big bike adventure like this, since they are from Georgia, um, it it took a lot out of both of them. It's a lot for them. So um, I have plans to do something hopefully this year. Um, but I'm not sure what that looks like yet. It will, it will probably not be the same course. I don't know if I ever, like, I'll never say never. One day I will go back to Kepler. I, I, d- I don't have, I have wonderful memories of Kepler, but I hate Kepler. And like the thought of even going back there with a bike with something attached to me makes me just so I'm sure in like three years I'll totally go back and <laughs> yeah. do it you're, you're just not there yet no I but I'm just like I'm just so so like you know I don't know maybe we'll do like Yellowstone or somewhere in Utah sure. or like I don't know like I I want to do it again um so I have some feelers out there for athletes and um takes a special takes a special athlete it takes a special parent I bet um it's hard. It's hard on them too. So, but yeah, I'll do it again. So take me to your little jog <laughs> in DC. My jog in DC. <laughs> oh, so I, uh, Marine Corps I, marathon God. to refresh everybody's memory. So Marine Corps marathon was, uh, October 28th of this year. I, uh, I work with the Kyle Pease foundation logistically. I don't just do physically events for them. I actually, uh, <clears throat> manage events for them and I've helped manage Marine Corps Marathon for them and that I just help facilitate getting athletes signed up, getting pushers signed up, telling people where to be every like day that they're there, hotel like reservations, all that stuff. Yeah, you showed me your spreadsheet last year for one of the events you were managing and I my eyes just tilted. I couldn't even process that. I love a good spreadsheet. Um, (laughs) But Marine Corps Marathon, what's really cool about Marine Corps Marathon weekend is that it's the same weekend where I met Noah and Naomi. Okay. 
three years ago. It's where I had that interaction in a hotel room where I'm thinking I'm speaking to some vegetable child and my life gets blown open because I realize that I'm not. And this kid's amazing. And so it was very, again, full circle for me, which is how this year has been. Um, so I plan it logistically and we get signups earlier in the year because we have to plan, we do fundraising. Everybody has to fundraise if you're going to push and do all this stuff. And one of the kids who's done it the last couple of years didn't respond. And I just kind of assumed that he wasn't doing it. And then after the deadline, so after we had assigned pushers to athletes and we're good to go, I get this text from him and like an email from his mom, his name's Hank. And it's like, Hey, Hank wants to do Marine Corps marathon. Please tell us we didn't miss the deadline. And I'm like, shit. So, um, and I love Hank. Hank and I are great friends. Um, Hank's 18. Uh, Hank, I met him two years ago when he did Marine Corps marathon. He did Publix two years ago for us, Publix half marathon in Atlanta. That's where I first met him. Um, but he's done Marine Corps marathon the last couple of years and he and I just have a special bond. Um, we make each other laugh and have a good time. And so they reached out to me and I was like, well, shit. And I had been training and planning this bike ride. And so I knew I would be in shape. And in the back of my head, I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll do Marine Corps marathon. But if I did it, I would only do it with Hank. And then they reach out. And I was still super hesitant. And then the executive director of the Kyle Pease Foundation, Brent Pease, who is a good friend of mine who I work closely with, was like, you know, just how every sentence starts with him, where you end up in trouble. (laughs) You know, you could do Marine Corps Marathon with Hank. And I immediately picked up the phone and I called him and I'm like, okay, do you really think so? And I don't know, like, I hate running and blah, 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 blah. And so I asked Hank via text. I said, hey, I have a question for you. And he was like, what is it? And I asked him if I could push him for Marine Corps Marathon. He was like, heck yes. And um, so in some caffeinated state... I decided that I was going to run a marathon pushing another human being, which is something I swore I would never do. (laughs) But there is one person who would convince me to do it, and it's Hank Poor. And so... um, Not a fast runner, not a good runner at all. Um, And so I I was nervous going into it. Actually, it's funny... I was way more nervous going into Marine Corps Marathon than I was going into my ride. Like, I was horrified going into my run. Was that? My ride, there was no pressure on me for time or, like, any of that. Hank has done... We had Nobody's ever done anything like that in our little organization. It's not that little. In our organization, nobody... um, Noah and I hadn't done anything like there was no expectation on like, you better not, you know, like if there were a cutoff time for Kebler, we probably would have failed that for sure. Yeah. You know, so going into Marine Corps Marathon, I was like, well, shit, I, I have to like not just walk the whole thing, which would have been preferred, a preferred method for me. Um, and also I didn't want to disappoint Hank. Um, Hank's done 
a couple of, uh, he's done two, done two Marine Corps before that. I believe he'd done a couple other marathons. So, and the, the, the girls that we've usually tagged him with have been pretty fast and I'm just not a fast runner. And I was terrified. I was going to disappoint him just, you know, he's an 18 year old kid, man. He wants to go fast. I'm not going to go fast. Um, it's so interesting that your concerns were not about your ability or your performance that you were concerned about him and his experience. It's so very selfless. I mean, I guess it's selfless. I don't, I don't know. That's not how I think. It's just like, I have this unique opportunity where I have an able body Yeah. and I am providing somebody else an experience that normally wouldn't have it. And I want them to have the best possible experience that they can. And, you know, I sort of tried to put myself in his shoes. I'm like, he's 18, you know, cute kid running another marathon. Like he's probably not going to want to be out there for what ended up being almost six hours. (laughs) It was, it was, um, And I was, I was, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I want, I wanted him to have a good time. I wanted him to enjoy himself because that's what it was about. It wasn't about like me. If it were about me, I would have done other marathons and run other races. Sure. So, um, yeah, his mom, Kathy is, is, just as amazing as Naomi and she and I have an amazing bond. One of our little traditions is to have a nice glass of white wine or two before an event, not the morning of, but like the night before, like we're not slamming Chardonnay at like four in the morning, although that might've helped. Um, (laughs) but you know, I have this great bond with, with them and this family and, um, you know, we got, we, Hank and I had been working on a playlist, a a music playlist. So he has a little speaker. So his bike's kind of cool. So he is actually in a recumbent push chair. So Hank has how many wheels? Three. Okay. Two in the front, one in the back. So Hank has, um, pretty good mobility, pretty decent mobility. He's able to help pedal. So he sits in a recumbent and clips in, they clip him in and he is able to help pedal. Um, and what's really cool about his chair is, um, he brakes and he steers. I just, I, I just, no, I just. I, you know, sometimes I'm a motor and sometimes I'm like, dear God, please slow down, like downhill. I'm like, dude, slow down. So, but we worked on this, we worked on this playlist cause he has a little pouch in the back. It's like a reverse fanny pack that sits on the back and he has this big ass speaker. And so we worked on a Spotify playlist that had everything from like Prince to, um, George Michael to Post Malone to Beyonce to Journey. <laughs> we drew the line at Nickelback. He texted Thank me. And he texted me like three days before and he was like, what do you think of this song? And I was like, kids these days and they're Nickelback. Like I was like, you're not putting Nickelback on my playlist. But we, so we have this speech. <laughs> He's like, why? Because they like, suck. Because they suck and you're too young to understand. Um... But he had this speaker and we get going and we just start like, 
I don't know. We just, we just, we had a good race. The first, the first 10 miles were awesome. Like it was fun. And like Marine Corps marathon, by the way, if anybody ever wants to do a marathon pushing anybody, if you want to push anybody, let me know. But if you want to do it solo, if anybody just wants to do a marathon, that's the one to do. There wasn't really any time where we were alone. Like either with the thousands and thousands of other runners or just the amazing crowds of people. There were bands, there were, I mean, it was just, it was an incredible experience. And do you run by the monuments? Is that kind of, yeah, you run all through DC, you run through the monuments, you, you start by the Marine Corps marathon or the Marine Corps Memorial. Um, and you end there. Oh, wow. So it's, and, and the course is lined with Marines in full uniform. And so when you're doing it with an assisted athlete, that just adds a whole nother level of incredible, like, like I get fueled by encouragement, like genuine encouragement, which I think a lot of people do, but like I thrive off of it. And just to have people run by us, passing us, run by us going, you know, like either patting me on the back and not really verbally saying anything to me, but looking at Hank as they pass. Cause Hank's in front of me and going, great job. You're doing such a great job. And like, just to hear that constantly throughout the run and then have people yelling and, um, it was pretty awesome. It was pretty incredible. Uh, it was hard as hell. Like I, we hit mile 18 and I kind of blew up. Um, and he was having some troubles too. I think his knee was hurting and mm. all this stuff, but you know, we talked and, um, he's not super verbal either. Um, but he's, um, very communicative. So, you know, I'd say, are you thirsty? And he'd shake his head. Yes or no. Do you want something to eat? He'd shake his head. Yes or no. Do you need to stop? He'd shake his head. Yes or no. And we had a couple mechanicals. His chain fell off. Um, but we got into a cool rhythm and like worked as a team. Like we'd be running and he was in control of steering and braking. So I'm like, Hey, I need you to go a little bit to your right or Hey, go to the left or Hey, stay here or whatever. And it was just a really cool, really cool thing. And, um, we hit a, I hit a wall at mile 18 to, you know, 25, uh, (laughs) (laughs) the rest of the the run, you know, the whole thing. (laughs) No, I had a, I had a pretty big wall from 18 to 20, 22. And then we hit this section of town. That was what I now affectionately refer to as the buffet because it, uh, you did this sort of weird, like loop and there were people handing out name it. It was there Mm. bacon, candy, beer, soda, chips, gold fit, whatever. And it was great because I was just laughing my ass off and he was too. Um, and then we got to mile 26 and you kind of go down the same road that you started and the last point two miles, they literally, you make a, like a hard left and you go up a pretty steep damn incline. And it's, it's like, like, really, that's how you're going to end a, <laughs> it's the Marines, man. They love to suffer. <laughs> that's how you're going to end a marathon. And so we hit mile 26 and 
I just kind of remember I was not running a whole lot at this point. I just remember sort of like walking, shuffling my feet and just thinking to myself like, holy shit, we just, compl- I, we just did a marathon. Like how the hell, how in the hell did we get here? And we turned and we pushed up this hill and there's this hilarious video that Hank's mom took of me. The, the finish line at Marine Corps marathon kind of sucks a little bit because your people can't see you. They basically block it off for like VIPs and Marines. And so they can only Mm. see you going up the death hill as I like to call it. So his mom took this hilarious video of me. I'm like, we're going to run. Nope, we're not. And so it's like the first like few 10 steps. And then I'm like, I can't. (laughs) I'm like pushing like arms straight head down. Um, and then we rolled across the finish line and I looked at the kid and I was like, you just helped me finish my first marathon, dude. And he was yelling. And, you know, one of the things that was very different about that finish than any other is Noah, because he's nonverbal, there's not any noise or sort of excitement like that. And so to be able to cross a finish line with him and to hear him yelling, was pretty incredible um, because he g- genuinely had a good time with me. Like we, it's probably the slowest marathon time to date. Um, but he did a little blog post himself afterwards and, and he'd said something to the effect of it was my favorite Marine Corps marathon because I did it with Helen Gardner and Helen Gardner was in all caps. <laughs> and I did the same thing. I put his medal over his neck and gave him a kiss. And, um, yeah, it was, it was just sort of like, I don't even know if it's hit me completely that I finished that race with him. It just seems very surreal because I swore to God, I would never run a marathon ever. Every half marathon I've done, I've gotten a mile eight. I've been like, I don't know how people (laughs) do a half marathon, (laughs) let alone 26 miles. So it was, it was pretty cool to be able to finish that day. And his mom was right there. Like we kind of cut, you can kind of cut through and his mom was there and you know, it's the parents and all this are pretty incredible because they, are so supportive of you doing this thing with their kid. And, you know, I'm so self-deprecating and sort of judging myself and how long it took and whatever. And I'm just watching this mother and she's just like, you just took my kid out for his third Marine Corps marathon. Thank you so much. And gave me a big hug. And, and, you know, it's just, it's cool. It's a really cool experience. It's pretty awesome. Almost makes me want to do another one, but I won't. <laughs> so, I, I think you've answered this question already through the whole narrative, but I wanted to put a more specific point on it. <clears throat> Why did you do these two events? Um... That's actually, it's an interesting, nobody's actually really asked me that. Like, like, why did I do these two events? So I have this like philosophy in life. My belief in life is that we are 
nothing if we're not trying to be better people? get to a point in your life where everything's good. Well, there's got to be better. If you ever get, for me, if I ever get to a point in my life where I'm like, everything is perfect, what's, what's the point? And so I, I genuinely believe like we need to be bettering ourselves constantly, whatever that looks like and doing better for ourselves and doing better in our communities and doing better for the world. Um, and so, um, this was my opportunity to do better, but I also was able to be better, um, through all of it. So, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it's this able-bodied person taking a disabled kid and, and pulling him through the mountains. Um, the reality of the situation, it's an able-bodied person taking a disabled kid, pulling him through the mountains and learning lessons that, I've never learned before and pushing myself past limits that I've never pushed myself and proving to myself things that I never thought were possible and learning from the kid that I'm pulling and learning from his mom and taking in life experiences that quite frankly, a lot of people are never going to get to have the opportunity to experience because they won't step outside of their box. And so selfishly, I don't do anything unless there's a reason behind it. Um, case in point, the training for all of my bike ride running stuff, like if I had to get up at four or 4.30 in the morning and do a training ride or a training run and didn't want to put my feet on the floor, at the end of the day, it wasn't about me. Like I had someone else to be accountable to. Um, and so that pushed me harder um, than I would have pushed myself. And so while... I think I, I think I accomplished my little life's philosophy and that I was doing good in the world, but I was also doing better for myself. Um, and I'm doing better for myself because I'm surrounding myself with people that are just amazing. Like it's not just about riding bikes. You know, we could talk about riding bikes or I could talk about running a marathon with Hank all day, but it's the dinner I had with him and his mom the night before and those conversations and those glimpses into their world. And they're wanting to know about my world and us becoming a family that I think is the reason why. It's wonderful. It is for most of the, most of the time, except when I have to get up at four in the morning and like (laughs) go run. Well, it's, it's a story that I wanted to hear again because after your ride, we met for beers and you told me that. And I wanted to, first of all, I wanted to hear it again. And I felt that it was important enough that I wanted other people to hear it. And, um, I've in the, we've known each other like a little bit over a year, Mm -hmm. but I've always been impressed with your determination and your focus and these two accomplishments. This was something I wanted to capture and wanted to have other people be able to hear it. Thank you. I appreciate it. It, uh... It was pleasure is all mine. <laughs> Let me talk your ear off all day. I can, I can gush about this stuff all day. So I appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk about sure. it. So 
And like I said, I've told you this as many times before. I still, at some point, picture you on stage in front of a lot of people <laughs> telling no. about story, other stories. So no. Well, I've, got, tw- I've got big plans for you. <laughs> Twenty. My, my next big plans, 2019, I'm doing a, a triathlon with an assisted athlete, an Olympic distance triathlon. So that'll be my next big story since I've never done a triathlon and also swore I would never do a triathlon, let alone pulling and pushing someone. So we can talk about that this time next year. Well, if you're a triathlete, I'm not sure we can stick friends. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. It's as, it's as I've always said, I'm like, I'm not a runner. And people are like, you just ran a marathon. You have to say you're a runner. I'm like, at what point do I have to say I'm a runner versus like what point do I like still... Like, I still don't consider myself a cyclist. Oh, I, I do. Yeah. I know. No, I do, but I don't. Like, sometimes I'm like, it's not real. So I'll never consider myself a triathlete. No offense, triathletes, but oof. <laughs> Google yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Shit sakes. I would say you're a runner <laughs> after your first half. I mean, that's, oh, that's not no. going for a But I'm not like, like... <laughs> The best part of, not the best part, but one of the funniest parts about the, uh, the marathon was that, um, my buddy Brent, who's a good friend of mine, who have said is the executive director of yep. the Kyle Peace Foundation, who, by the way, just completed the, uh, Kona world championship Ironman with his brother. They're the second team in history to finish it as a duo assist team with his brother Kyle. Which means that he he ran or he, he swam. He two point him in a boat or a he towed him in a boat for was it two point four miles? 2.4. He towed him in a boat in an hour seven. Jesus. In Hawaii, in like the hardest, whatever. It's in whatever. The surf. Can you tell I'm not a triathlete? It's like um, <laughs> it's like two point something. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, no, in Hawaii. And then he then he rode with him for a hundred and twelve miles. Yep. Then he pushed him for a marathon. And they finished. And um and that cutoff is absolute, right? It doesn't matter whether you're pushing somebody. Or- no. So the only other people to finish it were the Hoyts, Rick and Dick Hoyt. Oh, yeah. You guys have heard of them. It's a father-son duo. So Brent and Kyle are brothers. Um, so Brent and Kyle are the second people in history to finish it that way. And when Rick, Rick and uh, Dick had, had done it for years and at some, there was at one point, apparently they had not made the cutoff and they were pulled. So like they don't, Iron Man doesn't screw around with that stuff. Like if you don't make the cutoff, you don't make the cutoff. And so it wasn't like, it wasn't, it's not a Benny. It's not a give me. It's like they busted their asses to get here. So, um, they they did it and they finished and it was the best part was I we also we're based out of Atlanta I'm here in Colorado so I set my alarm for 1:45 because their finish time was going to be I don't know what the time difference is in Hawaii, but like four or five from here. Yeah. And so uh, like I had to set my alarm for like one forty-five in the morning and got on Iron Man's Facebook live and got to watch them finish. And I started screaming because I was so excited and so happy. And my, I terrified my roommate. <laughs> he woke up and just heard me yelling <laughs> And he sort of knew the background about what was happening. So he was like, okay, she's not being killed, but like, Jesus Christ, you could have let me know. But 
Uh, anyway, they did all these amazing athletic things. And here I am trying to push somebody in a marathon, you know, before the cutoff. And, um, so Brent months ago said to me, he was like, well, you have to be Oprah's time. And Oprah apparently has done Marine Corps marathon in four and a half hours. And there were a couple of times when I saw pictures of her, I guess, from when she did Marine Corps marathon on the course and she's, you know, in Nike gear and whatever. And so we hit mile 20. And at that point I was at like, I don't know, I knew I wasn't going to beat Oprah's time. And it was this section where they call beat the bridge on the marathon. Mm. And I understand why they say that because it's just a fucking uphill bridge and there's nobody really cheering you on because you can't get there because it's just like a bridge over water and it's like long and up and miserable and it's at mile 20 and whatever. It was bad. It was bad because I was just done. And I remember sobbing. And this point I was sobbing silently because if I learned nothing from my ride with Noah (laughs) to sob, you know, audibly, he would get upset. So Hank's in front of me and I'm just kind of like, like just like stifling sobs because I realized I wasn't going to beat Oprah's time at mile 20. And then I text Brent who's out at Marine Corps marathon. And I'm like, am I going to see anybody like any cheerleaders, any of my people before mile 26? And he was like, no, probably not. Are you okay? And I'm like, no, but I'm going to, I'll see you in six miles. And so I'm like crying, thinking how I'm a failure because I didn't beat Oprah. And then I remembered that Oprah wasn't pushing someone. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So so I was like, fuck you, Oprah. (laughs) Just kidding. I love you, Oprah. (laughs) She's a big fan of the show here, by the way. Yeah, is she? Yeah. When you're listening, Oprah, I actually really love you. If you want to do Marine Corps Marathon with me, we can totally do it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a low point of the, of the marathon was me realizing I wasn't going to beat Oprah's time pushing a human. So I digressed again. Sorry. That's okay. I've often heard that a marathon is what it's a 20 mile run. And then the 10 K following is where it really gets real. It's pretty much what it was. Like, it was like, oh, okay, do, 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 like, this is fine. Like, it's not the best. Sure. Like, you hit mile 16 and you're like, this isn't great. But you're like, all right, fuck, I have 10 more miles to go. Like, you, you sort of, you know, that's when you start, like, breaking it up by 5K and then you at some point just start breaking it up by mile. And then at some point you just start breaking it up by, like, can I make it to the next light pole before... And again, it wasn't, I just, yeah, anyway, yeah, it was a hot mess, but we had fun. Well, I, I don't know if I've told you directly, but I really admire what you've done. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's fun. So thank you for having me uh, talk about my stuff. Those are major accomplishments. There's no two ways to describe it. That's the only way to describe it. It's very impressive. Thanks. It was, it was good stuff. It was life, life changing stuff. So I'm happy. Cool. Thank you. Well, I will post, uh, notes and links to everything. And uh, I do like your blog too. I haven't read it for a while. I have to admit, cause I haven't seen it for a while, but it's great writing as well. Thanks. And 
Uh, with that, everybody, Helen Gardner. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> See her in a uh, Olympic Olympic triathlon. Next? Olympic distance, yeah. Okay. Next September. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Helen. Thank you.